Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 116. I'm your host, Adam, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. It's games time. We love gaming. We love gaming. One month ago, we talked about two great games. We're here to talk about one great game. That's how it goes. It feels... uh, I looked at that. I was like, that frog game couldn't have been one month ago. That was like three episodes ago, and I've just forgotten what's in between them. (laughs) No, that that was last month. Oh, love to love to be stressed all the time. And we, we did finish. Fro- you did finish Frog Game early. I did. I did. But the whole thing has just been weird. Time is weird. I say this every episode, but it remains true every episode. Yes. Uh, what's up, gamer? What have you been playing? Um, have I played anything? That's I a question. Know. I don't know. I played like four hours of the original near like two weeks ago to be like oh, i'll play the new one out of curiosity i should i should check in on how how it used to be mm-hmm. i was like yeah that was, that was good that was a good game back in the day and um <laughs> what nothing just uh you well it was pretty yeah, good no, near you know maybe you've heard of it it was pretty good. A lot. I was like, is it just my memory or was the combat actually better in the original? And the answer is it was. It is better here. Everyone's out of their minds. I don't um, remember the combat at all, before it comes with you. It's it's slow. It's very deliberate. It's much more about, like, positioning in relating to, like, enemy attacks. Making sure you don't, like, overcommit yourself to your animation. Before, which I know the principles of all um, action games on some level. Uh, but the... Platinum ones are far more about like having the, the like cancelable dodge at all times ready to go. Uh, this is a little less that, and you got to make sure you like don't do too many. Co- you know, if you do a four kit humble, you'll get hit. If you do a three kit and roll away, you'll be fine. Stuff like that. Um, and um, it's good. It's good. You know, start of that game's really good. Yeah, you decided not to play the remake. Um, well, I did. I was early in the week though. We'll see how long that lasts. I'm now. I'm now have time again, but I. I don't think I'm going to play the remake. You don't have time again. Don't say that. <laughs> Look, I finished the game yesterday, and that means for exactly one weekend, my whole world is open. Where you have to do a beach house. I need I need the weekend to be full of possibility, even if it's a lie. I need that for my own brain to not You gotta go. edit VoIP life this weekend. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. It is what it is. It's fine. It's fine. Um... I played through Pokemon Sword and Shield. I played Shield specifically. That was this month? That was this month. God damn. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, which is the Game Freak game from 2019. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, the source of all controversy online because lazy devs, greedy devs, I don't know. Um, they made Pokemon for the Switch. And there's problems that come with that because the Switch is a terrible platform that we've talked about many times. Um, it's not good enough to run console games like you would expect, even like, you know, remotely. It's not handheld enough to get away with making a cool 2D game that would look awesome. And so you just get a game with like really bad assets and a frame rate that sucks. But that's not, that's not Game Freak's fault. That's Nintendo's fault for making a console that's bad. <laughs> Everyone always puts it up to like screenshots of Breath of the Wild, which is just unfair. Put up the screenshots of any other console game on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, Breath of the Wild is unique in that it got it right, had a bunch of time, and was made by Monolith and Nintendo, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. think that I think the way people act about Sword and Shield is totally outrageous. It is it is in all ways the sequel to Sun and Moon. Um, I like there's things that they changed that I don't like. There's things that I changed that I liked. Uh, it, it is leaned even harder into like we're we're making an anime um, RPG instead of like 
an RPG that like has an anime tie-in like this could this could be like a mini arc of a of a, the show very easily. I felt that way about Sun and Moon, um, especially when the framing is all like you know football stadiums and it's like a sports anime for real in a way that Pokemon, despite being catered like made to be a sports anime, has never really been a sports anime. Mm-hmm. It's just good. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Um, I I looked at what happened after you beat the game, like in terms of like stuff to do and i was like i don't want to do any of that because you gotta do a bunch of raids and shit and i haven't even caught the like uh box cover legendary because you gotta do a bunch of shit to get there so i'm I'm done i'm done maybe i'll do the dlc someday but i was pretty full up so nice yeah it seems cool it's fucking pokemon it's fucking pokemon they made more pokemon enjoy it or or don't i guess (laughs) i guess or don't but yeah. whatever you do, keep posting about it. Your three rivals have, like, really good personalities. I thought that they'd handle that part really well. Nice. In a way that, like, I remember XY having, like, the big group of kids and, like, most of them I remember them just being nothing. really bad. Yeah. As the dancing guy. Yeah. Yeah, XY is still the only, like, Pokemon I've played all the way through. And um, it seems like it's a bad one to do that with. Yeah, I don't know. It's not weird. necessarily, like, super bad or anything, but definitely not, um, you know, one of the weaker parts of the series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. I mean, I've been picking at stuff, but I don't know if I have anything to report. I played a little bit of Titanfall 2 last night, because that got 120 frame mode on Xbox Series X. Um, and let me and tell you... played you, it. Going back to a shooter where you've played, like, the multiplayer-only sequel of, uh, I understand, I feel like, shooter fans a little more now, because they just <laughs> stand there and let you fucking shoot them. It's, like, the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> you get it now. Yep. This is this is why Halo was like massive, because mm-hmm. still, still, this is like a Halo thing. Where like they put act, they put actual AI on the enemies, and even though it's nothing like fighting a real uh, person, but um, there's a there's a difference between like playing Call of Duty or Titanfall as that kind of like very um high time uh, low time to kill uh high damage but weak AI uh, way of fighting as like people are meant to be like people. Yes. Uh, it's not great uh, as a way to fight uh, AI enemies. Yep. Uh, knowing what all the guns do, also very nice. I'm like, I picked up a Volt. I'm like, well, I need to get rid of this immediately. I don't want this. <laughs> Fuck that thing. Um, but uh, also, the movement's really slow. I, th- I remember that game being really fast, but compared to like Apex move speed, is it's just not there. Uh, the thing they do in that is that it's fast if you're on a wall. Yes, right? yes, like, yes. No. Um, unfortunately, you cannot be on the wall at all times unless you're way better at that game than I am. You just have to know the roots in a way I do not, but I'm trying. Um, yeah, that stuff's more designed around like the multiplayer. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it isn't slower than Apex in actuality, because in Titanfall multiplayer, you are on the wall at all times if you're good at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Apex, they're like, okay this is too open, let's put some of this movement into, like, sliding and open field sprinting. Yeah. Yep. But it's just fun. I'm, I'm excited to go through it. Um, 120 frames looks good, but, like, is it that good? I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm still, like, marveling at getting 60 regularly on everything. I just don't <laughs> think 120 is, like, a big enough leap to, like, feel... Like, it's definitely very clear. Like, I would love to play, I would love it, I'll love it when Apex gets 120 frame mode, because that'll make it easy to shoot guys from very far away. Um, but beyond that, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I played Dirt 5 a little bit with that too, but that game has a problem where like to get to 120 frames a second, it like changes all the graphic settings. Like the the high detailed like water LOD is like one car length ahead of you, so you just see the line of detail like right in front of your car, and I'm like, I can't do this. I I, I don't want to play a game like this. <laughs> yeah, the 120 stuff is um weird because like I said, games can barely get to 60. Yeah. Um, and they, they insist on pushing to 4K, so... I swapped it to, like, graphical mode, and it looks great, runs great, like, it's, you know... Right. (laughs) That game just runs at 60 and looks incredible, um, and I'm fine with that. I should try, um, I should try Dirt 5. I've not, I've not tried Dirt since Rally. Dirt 5 is, uh, interesting, because, like, it takes all the stuff from Rally so far, like, a lot of the, like, all the tracks that I played, I played, like, maybe, like, seven races or something, and all the tracks are, like very dirt heavy in terms of like you're going on multiple surfaces and it's about like sliding and going through water and stuff but because it's dirt and not dirt rally it's a baby game for babies (laughs) (laughs) yeah that makes sense that makes sense uh it's fun but like there's it just does there isn't like a ton to it as far as i can tell like it's just like very simple straightforward like i had to turn off all the assists immediately because i was like oh this i'm just playing mario kart now what are we doing here um the the part of your brain where you did spend like three months playing forza 3 yep, just two reactivated and three, two and three bunch of a month two months. and three yep month, yep they don't make him like that anymore yep i really i re-listened to every idle thumbs that existed at the time that forza 3 came out playing forza 3 okay it's like 30 idle thumbs maybe there were more than that idle thumbs starts late 2008 forza 3 is 2009 so i guess 50 idle thumbs yeah, it was about 50. Because I remember Burning Down the Wolfman, which I think is episode 50. Okay. Uh, nobody cares about this other than us. <laughs> other than us, yeah. But, God, man, Forza 3 is so good. Yep. Um, I do miss that kind of, um, you know, like, holistic racing type game. Everything yeah. there has to tie into uh, the, like, further monetization stuff. Yes. Dirt 5 seems like it doesn't have any of that, so there's that. That, that's true um, but it's also not trying to do like a sim like thing there's that no. the sports games as well yeah um and like there's no none of the sports game like they all had to be a pro mode that were founded on the idea of okay so you play the game and then you like schedule your week and the way you schedule your week affects how you play in the game and blah blah and then they took out the part where you schedule your week and replaced that with give us some fucking money <laughs> and the whole thing fell down yeah that's fair I'm hoping that Forza 7 um, steps a little bit away from that, considering Game Pass makes it slightly different for, like, how to design things. Yeah, yeah, who but can say? Who can say? Will they have the Japanese tracks back? No. <laughs> so anyone anyone playing Forza wants to know is where are the Japanese tracks and where are the Toyotas? Yeah, that's me. I'm always asking this. Yep. The thing about the the thing that separates uh, like sim racing games from like just Mario Kart ass racing games is if you ask me to drift, do I resent being asked to do that? And if yes, it's a sim. That is my like dividing line. <laughs> I think. I when I played like Forza as a like very young kid, well, very young, you know, seven eight, right? Like I'm playing this, and I've only played like Burnout and Outrun and um couple others but most of the arcade stuff i was so bad at sim stuff and i resented it so much eventually i was like oh no actually learning to take a racing line this is this is this is good but i never got that much further i don't even think about taking a racing line at this point but yeah it is the drift stuff i find really hard you know, if you're modeling how a car really works turns out drifting's really hard actually <laughs> mm-hmm. it's specifically that like when i 
in every game before I started playing Forza, um, which I had on the original Xbox, the you would not have to break yes. until you yes. started turning. Yep. Um, if they're like, you know, I would try to take the corner at full speed if I had to, but then if I couldn't make it, I would like break on the fly. Can't do that in a car. Nope. I mean, like, <laughs> how physical like as someone who grew up on Mario Kart, you don't have to break in that game ever. You can just take a, no. every corner like full speed if you know how to like drift properly through it. Yep. That's that's me. Yeah. That's all right. It's nice to have a break. It's nice to have a game that also uses the rumble and the controllers of the Xbox, which I rarely see. It's like only racing games. Mm-hmm. Because well, they've got like the rumble and the triggers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that stuff's coming to um, PS5 more now. Um, I literally just forget it exists until I play a game with cars. And I'm like, oh, right. Neat. I wonder if uh, DualSense will go that way. I'd be curious. Game Club this month is Live Alive, the 1994 role-playing game made by Square Enix, directed by Takashi Tokita, uh, written by Tokita and Nobuyuki Inoue, uh, compo- composers Yoko Shimomura. It's an RPG that we've been thinking about playing forever. <laughs> forever. forever. It's only out in Japan. There's a fan translation by the fucking king of fan translations, Aeon Genesis. Yeah. Um, and uh, our friend Camille has always been badgering us to play this, literally for as long as we've known her. And I've been like, no, why would I play some weird, obscure SNES game? And here we are, playing some weird, obscure SNES game. I thought this was less obscure than it actually was. I mean, in Japan, I don't think this is obscure at all. Uh, no, but like, I was expecting to, like, when I was done, even though it was fantasy, I was like, oh, I'll find speedruns, I'll find all the normal stuff, and no. No. This is not, nah. Nope. Yeah, it's just not that. It's not. It's not well known here, you know. It's like not. It's not unpopular, especially for like a game that only has a fan translation. It's like pretty big, but like I forget just how big the difference is. Yeah, but it's like, like us. Yeah, it's big with like you know RPG maker weirdos. So we'll talk about that yeah. in a bit. Would you yeah, like yes. to briefly summarize the story of Live Alive? Uh, Live Alive is the story of um, seven different uh, characters in seven different time periods. Uh, who all have a story of their own that is like a condensed version of like big generic ideas 
uh one of them is like just doing alien one of them is just doing like here's some super robot and toku shit uh one of them's uh like a ninja story and uh like in the uh like right after the warring states period um one of them's a, <laughs> a prehistoric caveman chapter because um Takita loves that apparently uh and they all have their own like heroic stories and things happen they defeat a character that's named like od or odeo or odeo or whatever some variation on that and then there's an eighth chapter in a medieval setting uh in which it starts as normal and you like go through this guy's story um but it goes bad the hero uh like has a tragic ending uh the lady he's trying to save stabs herself in front of him and uh he decides to embrace hatred and become the demon king odeo and summons all the heroes into his time who uh are scattered must recruit each other in like a very open um it's reminiscent of saga i'm told i thought of like world of balance uh, world of ruin stuff but i like this like a just a different way of approaching in squares design for, for role-playing stuff uh you you know you pick your characters you find the characters you, you choose your party and by that i mean you get everyone and then choose your party and then you take everyone to the mountain meet odio fight him and remind him that uh even if things are bad you don't give in to hatred this is the rpg plot and he uh briefly is remembers he's human and sends everyone back to their times and all of these uh incarnations of the spirit of hatred the demon king odio are defeated across time and uh the day is saved for now uh but as long as there is hatred in the human heart anyone can become the demon king the end yeah that's that's pretty much what happens in the game it's that pretty, is what happens but, in the game i feel like yeah. that uh, sells it short but it is exactly what is the game well it sells it short because the game is a bunch of generic plots, but then its rapper plot is also a very generic plot. Yeah, but also the inclusion of, like, all of the anime plots in one, plus a couple, like, Western media plots, is just, like, the perfect soup. It's like, sometimes what? you mix a bunch of stuff that doesn't go together, and you're like, damn, I made the new best thing. Yes. Um, and that's the thing we should talk about. So, yeah, like, a lot. I guess... Do we want to talk about the RPG stuff, like how it's a video game first before we get in? Because I feel like most of our talks can be about the story. Yeah, I guess so. So, like, the way in which this game um, communicates, like, how to tell stories for an RPG is really interesting because it's split into all these different sections and they all, they're all all about the same elements, which is, like, you know, regular rpg top down sprite mode you got a map of sprites um they'll do some pantomime motions and some uh some text boxes except in the caveman chapter but um uh, generally speaking that holds true uh yeah the cavemen only talk in like sometimes there's like text grunts but it's mostly like audio samples of them making weird grunts or picked like pictographs but you have that and then you have like a weird unconventional battle system um, that's a, based around a 7-7 seven, seven grid and your your HP doesn't persist between battles. Uh, none of your moves have like a meter beyond um, being able to like only hit certain spots and some of them take charge time. Uh, so the battles are like far more open and puzzle based than uh, regular RPGs. There aren't really dungeons in the way that you would consider them. Eventually everyone like gets a dungeon at the end, but even these dungeons aren't like dungeons in the way we think of dungeon crawlers that are based around like uh resources and exploration they're usually just like small segments of combat and a couple puzzles uh to get your best weapon um 
And so there's not, like, the pacing of an RPG in the way that you would consider it. Like, you know, you don't go to new towns. You don't go to, you don't buy new armor. You don't do the, like, things that you do in an RPG to mark, not, like, even story progress, but, right, but your sense of, like, how to, um, how you progress. Uh, and instead, it's just, like, narratively constructed elements out of the fabric of RPGs. It really is just, like, literally laying the groundwork for exactly what every RPG maker thing would go on to be um, after this. I was like, damn, I need to check more of that scene out. Yeah, also you just described Final Fantasy XIII. <laughs> yes, thank you. I did. <laughs> I've been like, how much do I want to... Because I've... Uh... So I was also thinking, this game feels a lot like Final Fantasy XIII uh, playing this. I was like, I don't want to give off, like, boss baby vibes. <laughs> In my, you know, I'm gonna be like, oh, I, that's one of the RPGs I've played, so this feels like that one, um, which is a little bit of column A, bit of column B, but it is also a very linear RPG based entirely around story sequences with no towns and a battle system that is based around repeating puzzle fights with the same solution uh, and no resource management. Yes. So in that sense, very similar game. Yeah, it's just a third of the length. <laughs> yeah, this is based around like sprites moving fast with a couple text boxes and not uh, five hour cutscenes. Yeah. It's weird because like I think the RPG here is like mostly fun. I think the abilities all being like really unique to the characters. Like there's no there's no fight. Like no one has a fight. Uh, <laughs> um it's all like a list of like impossible like you have to use every uh, weapon like every skill to know what the fuck it's gonna do basically like the descriptions are there but they're not like the most verbose and interesting like useful and so a lot of it is like every one of these characters falls in a different world they act differently the way they the, they're good is different and you have to kind of feel that out through their chapters or when they get all together like what's the fighting guy good at i have no idea i just used him to get fighting guy moves when i played his chapter <laughs> right and then he's level two in the end game I'm yeah like, um, and so you don't really know what he's good at. Um, and you have to figure that out. But like, uh, that stuff I think is really neat. Uh, the problem is like, as you said, like it has the 13 problem where like, once you figure out a, an enemy solution, I'm sick of fighting the enemy, like by the third time. And yet I fight them like eight times, <laughs> 10 times, yes. 20 times. It, it reaches a real friction, especially in the late game yeah. where you're going around and there's no like item to stop getting, um, into fights. There's no earthbound you know you destroyed this enemy because they were beneath your notice type stuff uh i have to fight that you know the the the, the robots the two green ones and the red one over and over and over and over and over again uh and luckily you can you can run every time but it still gets really irritating um yep but in I, fact I the, game, like, the game encourages you to run more regularly than other games by giving you something for doing it so i did not reach the hundred run at all oh, by the oh, end there you go I got all four of the other things, but not that one. Okay. You know what? That's, you only it. have four characters, so you did all right. <laughs> yeah. I, I assumed it was like, I just need these to like, you know, um, hold off Petrify. Yeah. For sure. Because Petrify sucks. Petr Petrify is just death in most of the game. Because yes. a lot of the time you're just one character in a, in a fight. Mm -hmm. The other thing this game is really like big about because you restore everything after every battle is... Uh, some enemies and bosses are just motherfuckers that will, like, end you if you step in the wrong square. There are a lot of hard fights in this game, and none of them are in the ending, because by the end, you can, you know, it's a more traditional RPG, so you've, like, powered up and uh, everything. Whereas there's a lot of fights in this that are, like, 
I've just gone from one end of the the chapter to the other, and now we have this fight. And I I guess I could like go back and grind on tigers or something, but that doesn't actually that's not a thing I'm gonna do. Uh, so yeah, there's there's some there's some real hard fights in this game. Uh yep. Uh, some I think the hardest part of this game is the medieval chapter. Uh, I had a rough time with that one. That's for two reasons. One, it's hard. Two, we didn't pick up any items. I know. I was saving myself for the future. Uh, I, I then I missed the um. I was like referencing a guide, but not like uh completely. I was I wasn't like religiously following it. So like I'm following the guide when I'm getting lost, and I'm making my way through this dungeon and then it comes to this bit and it's like okay you should have 99 healing items and i was like what i've got one. Oh yeah you can get <laughs> infinite berries in that one field i found them in the in the the end section but i didn't um you know i didn't have uh what's the word Ooh, I, that, I that'd be hard need... that'd be hard for what oh just i feel like it'd be hard if you didn't have that much healing yeah it was pretty difficult especially that last boss fight that mm-hmm. one on the last door? Yes, that's the one I had the uh, hardest problem with. Uh, that's probably the hardest fight in the game. Yes. Um, but it ended up being fine uh, Like after I got through that. It wasn't like a particularly difficult game because this game isn't really here to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it mechanically, though, really. Yeah. Now we can just talk about the part where this is one of the best games ever made. Yeah. So I feel like we should go through all the chapters. We're just going to go in chronological order as Wikipedia lists them, um, which means we start with Contact, the Pogo chapter. Okay, this one's bad. I, I okay. We can wait. We will in the next chapter go down so to the best game. This is weird because like I I think this chapter is fun and cool, but it is like because it's the one everyone recommends you start with. One, it's like the first the chronology. Two, it's like kind of the fiddliest and like the the like least like interesting because nobody likes cavemen ever. Um, yes. It leaves like a really bad first impression because it's you and this girl from another like caveman tribe who shows up and this uh, this like gorilla that hangs out with you just like gesticulating each other. There's like a weird broad like sex farce happening with but with like Final Fantasy four sprites. So it's like nothing. <laughs> yes. Um, th- you have to like find items on a world map by like sniffing and it just like gives you a general direction. It's weird. This is weird. Oh, you also have to construct all your items out of like parts that you find and collect and the interface for that is not explained and it is you need to be basically just look at a guide and figure out how to build and stuff. If, also, uh, once you get out of like the third screen, you can't do that anymore. Yes. Um, so it's the, the part where they put like some actual RPG system into some of these things, but like the the scenarios aren't constructed to be allowed to like engage with them is very strange like i i get why you do this especially as like when people play games back in the day you know you're expecting them to fail a lot right you make wrong decisions you restart the game you mess about with these systems 
Yeah. That's why things are hidden in this way and you sell strategy guides as well. Like on two levels, it makes sense, but it's definitely not how you would design this stuff now. For sure. I do appreciate the ways in which, uh, the, like the caveman chapter, much like the one that's that you know Takeda puts in Chrono Trigger is about like introducing this elemental evil that is going to travel through time and space. Um, I think the uh, like Pogo and Bell and uh, what's the gorilla's name? Uh, Gory. Gory are like more fun characters than the like cavemen in Chrono Trigger. Um, because they're yes. just like cartoonier. Chrono Trigger is, in many ways, Chrono Trigger is like the sequel of this game, but strips out a lot of the genre nods and a lot of the like really silly stuff. Like Chrono Trigger is just way more self serious. It's really interesting playing this after being like, okay, I like Chrono Trigger, but it definitely feels like Square trying to make a Dragon Quest, and they're they're different. They their predilections are so different that it doesn't really work very well. Um, like all the stuff with the silent protagonist and like everyone, you know, we've got the Toriyama designs, everyone just like kind of cute and giving you these like goofy stories. And I'm like, this, this feels just, just weird. It doesn't quite all come together. And then I was like, oh, they made this game already that was like far more their sensibility. <laughs> they just did it. It's here. It's live alive. It exists. It's live alive. Yeah, for sure. But you do fight a fuck off dinosaur at the end. And that's cool. That part is always cool. And, like, your rival tribe is, like, lizard men inside skin suits? No, no, that's his codpiece. Oh, is it? Okay, I was never sure what I, the fuck was happening yeah. there. It's He falls over and the lizard crawls off, because I thought he had, like, a leaf, and then, no, the, I, I figured it out now. Okay, because um, I read that as, like, he's, like, literally, like, a lizard inside a human suit. <laughs> that's what I thought the first time I saw the sprite. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he looks like he, like, falls out and the lizard comes out. Yes. Um... But have you not taken a pic through all the um for the portraits? Not all of it, not not yet. No. Oh, okay. Um. Well, uh, I just just Google uh to the audience. Google Zaki Live Alive. Uh, Z A K I. I'm sending it to you now. Um. And. Oh yeah. Okay, that makes sense. He's got a <laughs> lizard he clinging to his balls. <laughs> He's got a lizard clinging to his balls. Sometimes that's how it is in the caveman times. Yeah. Fair enough. That explains a lot. Yeah. I literally thought that he was like a weird lizard man. It was very confused. This is this is the thing I like about this kind of sprites. Like I play this game like man, these sprites are really small. Like I was expecting a game that looked more like Final Fantasy VI, but because of that you get weird things. Like I thought he was half a lizard man inside a human suit, and not he had a lizard clinging to his balls. <laughs> yep. And I, I think there's, there's a charm about that. And then there's Gori, who like is a gorilla, and I can tell, especially in the, like most of the sprites. But whenever he's like front facing sprite, that he's a Zora. He looks like a Zora. He just looks like Zora. I'm sorry. He just I see Zora when I see him. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, this one is like, it's like a f like four hour maybe RPG, probably less than that actually. But it is like the most. It, this and the um, Mecha chapter are the most like you're just gonna grind up some levels and fight some guys and then fight a boss. Yep. Um, so, you know, I don't have anything else to say about it unless you do. No, not really. Um, when I first played it, I was really, like, put off and disappointed. Disappointed is wrong, but I was really put off. It's really jarring and abrasive for your first play, because you can't tell what the hell to do, and until you start decoding, oh, when it brings up the Y button, it means press Y to make the sniff happen and then i follow that which wouldn't have been a problem for most people because i assume if you're playing this in 94 you've read the manual like a normal person um which would probably be explained there this is definitely like me being like someone in 2021 i just like i'll press play on the video game it will explain itself to me yeah i didn't even think to look for a translated manual um 
yeah i ended up not mattering right but like i assume just like that kind of like just being able to be that opaque was just okay yeah for sure i mean a lot of this a lot of this game feels like a game like you know ultimately this is like 25 hours long but it feels like a game that's meant to be like poked at over time right like you just get stuck and you change which timeline you're in and you jump around until you make progress then like it's a game that like is meant to be played over a summer not over like a month (laughs) it says says here the aim was to allow players to complete each section in a day it was i mean you can actually do that for sure but i i do think the implication is this is a game you end up like poking at for a while like oh yeah I mean, like, I remember looking up of reviews of uh, Link to the Past, and they're like, this is a 200-hour game. And I'm like, in what universe could you spend <laughs> even 100 hours playing Link to the Past? I'm fairly I no sure idea. you can get 100% in, in like, 30 f- from nothing. Oh, from, like, if you don't know what you're doing, absolutely you get, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even giving you, like, you know, I'm going to give you 10 hours to figure out what's going on, to poke at every screen. Uh, 100 yep. hours! Last time I played that game, I'm pretty sure I finished it in, like, under 10 easy, so... Yeah, now once you know what you're doing... Yep. Anyway, the second chapter is called Inheritance. about the aging martial arts master who you can name um the default is shinchan kwan uh who's in his elder years and is going to pass on his techniques to a student and you get three students to choose from uh who are lee and then the two i didn't pick who suck uh, and are terrible i picked, I picked you on so yeah, he, he basically goes around and he finds three, like, very, like, ne'er-do-well, like, down-on-their-luck people. Um, Lee's, like, a thief he meets in the forest. Yuan is... What is Yuan? Um, he's, like, another thief he meets in a town. Oh, right. The one who runs in the gangs, right? Yes, he's the one yeah. with the gangs. And then there's the other guy who I name I do not remember off the top of my head. Samo. Who, yeah, Samo is just, uh, like the the comedy fat guy who runs out on a bill and the, the the teacher's like well i'll pay your bill and then i you will become my student you can pick which one i picked lee because uh otherwise there's no women in this entire game <laughs> yes um and you train them up and the game presents it as like this montage where you're like it's like teach all of your students and i was like i bet what i need to do is just teach one student all the time and that's what i did and that was the right answer <laughs> Yep. But they definitely give you the space to screw yourself over by only teaching, like, teaching every student once every time. Um, they really do. It's a very strange choice yes. that they make there. Anyway, you run into a rival school, which is uh, Odie Wong Lee, and it's a bad time. He kills the other two students that are not the one that's going to go on. And then you and that student go and fight him. Uh, there's a big battle where the teacher sacrificed himself, and you fight the final battle as the student, the student has become the master. 
And that's it. You do the final technique on the guy uh, with your master, like, dying next to you. It's yes, sick. It's sick. The thing with this one is it's, like, really light. It's, like, maybe two hours long at the most. But is, like, in the way it does montage, it has multiple training montages. It has, like... The, the like the martial arts school that gets wrecked by a rival gang it, it just has all of the accoutrement of like a like a you know shaw brothers like martial arts movie that part is fantastic and incredible yeah this is when because the caveman chapter is pulling from things but they're things i'm less interested in right like i don't i know caveman media is like a thing uh i don't give a shit even slightly um so i'm less familiar uh, outside of just like basic knowledge of the tropes um and also just like it wasn't doing much for me but then then you get into like hey it's like we're doing a whole martial arts movie in an rpg in like two hours i'm like that's so sick video games are so good yes yeah it's great even if like you're not doing a whole lot for this chapter it is not like the most like robust chapter um pretty light but it's good that's all i had to say about it it's just good yep no i really like this one Next, we have Secret Orders, in which uh, the ninja Oborumaru is sent by his master to go to a castle in which uh, Odeio, a daimyo, has captured uh, Ryoma Sakamoto, a uh, famous guy what united Japan into an empire back in the day. And, yes. And this one is weird because, like, they give you they give you the they're like oh can you go through stealthily or do you want to kill everyone and you get different things for each one i went through and didn't kill anyone um you just went like a middle ground where you just kind of kill people in your way but not you're not exhaustive about it yes and i'm glad i did because i'm realizing how like unimportant most of the end game stuff like there's not much chat you i would have been fine not looking at a guide i would could have like fucked myself over and still been fine because i just get the ultimate weapons and it's fine like <laughs> this game's not hard um yeah um, this one is a really weird chapter because you're in like a big like walled castle, like Japanese style castle with like castle grounds and moats and stuff, and it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like a, a fake Metal Gear at that point. Like you're just kind of let loose, and you have to get to the guy, like rescue the rescue uh, Sakamoto, and then get to uh, uh, Odio at the top and fight him. And you, how you approach that is like very different there's like many different paths it seems like there's like dozens of permutations of how this chapter could go 
Yeah. That like I ended up with boss fights you never even saw, and they weren't yeah. even like marked as the optional bosses, right? Like yeah. there were there are optional bosses in the way that there are harder bosses you can go out of your way to fight, but there were also just bosses you didn't do. Um that are technically part of the main uh, way to, like you know, optional means something different in a JRPG. Yeah. Uh, like it's like we created Did you did you even get the party member that's like a doll of you come to life? No, I, I got the item that I could do it, and I think I, I saw the robot, and I just killed it. Okay, I got that, I got that, and it's like a robot version of, it's like, you know, uh, one of those, like, you know, like, wooden, like, automatons, and you, you it turns into you, and then because I wasn't fighting anyone, because I wasn't killing anyone, I go, like, two screens over, and it gets to the story beat where you'd sacrifice itself bravely to get you into the final room, and I never used him at all. It was very funny. Oh, he had to sacrifice himself to get into this fight. Yes. I just got into the room. I just walked into the room. He'll, there's like two guys guarding the door, and he will wipe them out. And it doesn't count as kills because uh, you didn't do it. Oh, I mean, I just, I just killed them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not that character's problem. weird because, like, if you fall down one of the traps or if you go into water, he'll break. So you have to like be really careful once you have that character in your party, mm-hmm. um, which is neat. But yeah, it's like this weird systemic thing that. Uh, I think it's like a cool choice. Like every every enemy you fight in the castle has like a name because they're like all like they're it's not like they're repopulating enemies. There's just like a hundred guys to kill, so they gave them all names. But um, because I wasn't doing that, I felt like I did this weird securitist, like not engaging. I engaged the spirit of the chapter, but I felt like I missed a lot of the content in a way that's weird. Uh, you didn't miss that much. It's a very open chapter. There's not like there's like you know you find a um, merchant and you kill him and then. Um... You, you get thanked by the women if you don't kill them, and then you get an item. And then if you're going for 100 kills, you then turn around and kill all of them. Yeah, I at some like I was reading the thing, and you have to get you have to not kill the women to a point where it reveals that like one of the women's like a monster, and then you can go back and kill the women or something like that. Yes, that's what the guide is intimating. The, the 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 that's actually a different bit. That's like part of the plots, but yes. Oh right, you didn't have that fight with the monster who's the boss in the tea room. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, right. Exactly. Wild. Different, different, different chapter. Um, I I mostly like this chapter. Uh, it was very strange. It felt like it made with string um, because the while it is a like weirdly persistent systemic uh, choice, it's still made out of a 1994 JRPG, so the system's not very robust. There's not really much stealth beyond line of sight uh, and hiding behind your little um, invincibility coat. Uh, so it's it's a it's it's weird and half baked, but I think that that's fine because it's this is a game of like if this was one game, this would be bad. Uh, but as a single slice of uh nine chapters, uh, it's fine. I do think this game also has like or this chapter has like some of the best boss sprites because it has the giant fish in the moat and that which I ran into just to see and then ran away from, and then like the big frog Odeo boss the or uh. Uh, sorry, Ode Eo, uh, boss. Ode, yeah, yes. Um, and they're just like these incredible, like you know, like you know, like painted scroll monsters. They look so good. the The enemy sprites in this game are incredible. Yeah. The thing we Especially- have not mentioned is every chapter has a different like manga uh, illustrator who does them all. Yeah, they 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 got some they got some heavy hitters for this one. Yes, for sure. Um, most of them, most of them have not done stuff that's like in English is the thing that's weird. Uh, like, yeah, no, I've, I went and downloaded exactly one manga from like all of this. Yeah. Oh, this Basara sounds pretty good. I'll, I'll read that. Yeah. Um, it was very funny looking someone off like, what's, what's this guy? Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, this guy's a fascist. Wow. Manga. (laughs) 
This one's like for real fascist. Oh, okay. Great. Manga. Manga. Um, then you want to go to the next chapter then? Yeah, let's get on to the next one. Which one? Uh, that's, um... Wandering. is about the sundown Shit. kid the best chapter in video games full stop so the sundown kid is a uh, man with no name style gunslinger who meets his rival mad dog and he goes to a town and this town is being beset by the odio gang and they're like well we're gonna put aside our differences this one time and help these people and they're like yeah well the actual thing is they go out to do a duel and they're like walking at 10 paces from each other and then they both turn at the same time and shoot down into the street where odio gang members have been hiding to ambush them and it's fucking incredible like i guess we're starting shit with the odio gang huh um, and then the rest of the chapter is you and Mad Dog going around the chapter collecting items to give to the villagers to create like traps. So when the Odeo gang rides in, they're they you know the traps can take care of them. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've seen Seven Samurai. It's fucking sick as hell. Is the thing. It's one of the best movies, and that's why it's been remade in a million things. So saying that, like this version of like magnificent seven right it's not seven guys but it's doing that no. in a western yes. again yes uh, through the lens of uh, jrpg design um it's fantastic yeah so you set up all the traps and you have to like be careful because like different people set their traps up faster like the 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 sheriff whose son hates him for not standing up to the audio gang is the guy who can get the traps done faster you can have him set up two traps if you're quick enough um and but his like kid who's like oh justice is like the slowest character <laughs> you have to send him out first if you want him to do anything um yeah. And meanwhile, you're like sitting there pounding milk uh, at the bar, <laughs> waiting for the clock to strike eight times for the Odeo gang to ride to town. It's just so evocative. Like, I want a sprite based Western game that like just leans into like Western movies uh, like this. It's so strange because I, I don't like Westerns. Like, I don't dislike Westerns, but I'm not like as into the Western aesthetics, generally speaking, as I am to some other aesthetics in this game. But how it comes together in, th like, through the sprite work, through uh, the, like, okay, JRPGs are made out of combat and exploration, and we can m change it to have, like, what if the exploration, instead of being tied to combat and resource management, is tied to a timer there's like, the bells ringing in a town as you must prepare, and then the combat comes afterwards. And so you're just like, you know, it, it manages to imbue literally going through empty houses and looking for tats uh like you know just pressing a on everything and seeing if it's got anything in it with a sense of like foreboding and tone that is uh very cool um as you prepare for your um uh grand resistance to the odo gang 
Yeah. And so they ride into town. If you set everything up, there's like dynamite that explodes and ropes that knock guys off horses and pitfalls they fall into and uh, a like pinup poster of a nudie girl that d- distracts a guy at a key moment. It's ridiculous. It's very good. Um, and if you do that right, you only have to fight Odio at the end. I had Odio on one other person. I don't remember what I did that had that happen. I missed something. Yeah, I must. I think I messed up one thing. I also had one other guy. Yeah, and so you fight Odio and the guy. Odio's got a big Gatling gun that if you get in its like one diagonal path of it, it will just destroy you. It's good. Um, yeah, it's a Gatling gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. No one can stop a Gatling gun. Um, but when you defeat him, you find out that Odio is not actually the leader of the Odio gang. Odio is the horse that the leader of the gang was riding on. That is imbued with like the angst and rage of a like a regiment that was wiped out in like wars with native americans that have like fallen to this one horse that was a survivor of this battle um and you're like well that's fucked up and then the horse rides off <laughs> yeah and then you you leave town you're like oh finally I've, I've discovered what justice is by protecting this town and i'm gonna go off and be a good gunslinger now um and you ride off into the sunset and you meet mad dog who has gotten on the fucking odio horse <laughs> He's, he's found the horse. He's got the horse. Yeah. And he you have one fight with him and you can spare him or let him go and, or, or kill him. And I spared him because that's how this story goes. And you just ride off into the sunset and it's fucking cool. The sundown kid is cool. He goes up to a bar and is like, give me a milk. And I was like, oh, this is Jackson. <laughs> this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm that. I have ordered milk from a pub before. <laughs> yes, I know this is about you. <laughs> it wasn't like this, though. It was lo- more normal. <laughs> I love this chapter. It's like the most like heavily scripted one. There's like two fights in the whole chapter, but man, it's good. It's just really cool. There's so much that has been lost in the shift to like actual movies uh, for JRPG storytelling. Um, this kind of like evocative uh, representations of movies, which is what this this game does, is like something that I love. And it just doesn't really exist. Definitely, the square, the games that Square makes now, it's gone. It's, it's they make movies now, and they're bad movies. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's a shame. Like you know, this is why I'm like I should play more RPG Maker games because that's where this stuff lives now. No one's making GBA games anymore. So no, it's true. next chapter is the strongest who is masaru 
uh, who wants to be the world's strongest, and he's like a Ryu motherfucker, and that means he's gonna... You literally get, like, a uh, fighting game enemy select screen of eight fights, and you fight them, and you gain their skills when they hit you with them, and you go up the ladder and defeat uh, fake Hulk Hogan, and then fake Odeo. Or real Odeo, I guess. You fight Odie Odebright. Uh, Odie yes. Odebright. Um, and you just have a fight with him, and it's this is a very short chapter. It's yeah. basically nothing. Yeah. Um, in the scheme of things, you just go through the fights. It's, it's like cool pastiche wise. Yeah, but um, there's like nothing here. It's so weird. The only thing is, it's really the music really funny because they have Yokoshimura doing the music. Yes. So all the other like broad parody stuff is filtered through her style, but it doesn't work here because she wrote the music. She wrote Guile's theme. Yes. It's like, <laughs> can you please make not Guile's theme for us? She's like, damn, that's going to be hard. <laughs> that's going to be hard. Can I not just use Guile's theme? No. No, no, no absolutely not. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, this chapter is like cool in concept, but like, I just like, you know, you beat it in 20 minutes. And you're like, I guess that happened to me. Yep, no, it is cool though, and it's, it's cool to have like a short one uh, when you're going through. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, that was that was a nice short one in the middle there. Yeah, I'm further through than I thought. Yep. The next chapter is Flow, uh, also known as Mecca, which is about Akira, uh, who lives in a house with a bunch of other orphans in, like, nebulous <laughs> Neo-Tokyo, basically. Um, and um, he's he keeps running afoul of a biker gang called the Crusaders, who all look like common Rider villains and ride motorcycles. And uh, his friend Matsu, who's definitely, like, the doomed, like, tough guy, uh, older brother character, is helping him out. Um, and he has a friend who's working on teleportation and happens to have a giant robot uh, in the basement of his house uh, called Bariki Dayo. And uh, this one's weird because this one is like, this is like probably the longest chapter, I feel like. Um, at least when I played it, it was. And is like a condensed version of 70s and 80s Toku and art, like uh, anime, like giant robot anime into like a, you know, a five hour RPG about hanging out and kicking guys with your hands in your pockets, looking cool and have, manifesting psychic powers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they got the um, guy that did the G gun designs to, yes. to design the characters here. And it shows like everyone looks exactly how you'd expect for like this era of everyone doing, you know, who do we get in the nineties to do fake going a guy? There's only one choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and everyone looks great. Uh, this this chapter is also great. I it's not as high as Sundown for me, but it's pretty high. This is my close number two. I think this chapter is yes. incredible. I just I like this style. I like this media. Like I like I like you know early Common Rider and I like Mazinger Z and uh, I liked their fake Mazinger Z theme that the lyrics of Mazinger Z actually fit really nicely into. <laughs> <laughs> really do. It's so close. 
Um, and I like that it's like, you know, it has like the like all oh, these children of the the wars manifesting their psychic powers. Uh, it has the go to guy. All oh, this lady and her children in this house are definitely going to get attacked. But it, thankfully, it does not go as badly as like Devil Man does, right? Like. Yes. But it definitely does do the devil man thing where the house is burning and stuff. And I'm like, oh shit, are they just going to do the devil man thing? Thankfully they do not. And yeah, it's, it's like doing everything. It's a really good mix of all these stuff. And especially now that we've like, you know, spent years uh, dipping our toe in, because we're not actually that well seen in terms of seventies uh, anime and Tokyo yeah. stuff. Um, but we are well seen enough to, for this stuff to hit. Um, it works really well. Yep. And it's just good. It's just really good and earnest. Like, you know, the villains are there and they're turning everyone into one, you know, they're melting everyone down into one soul they, as they do. Literally, um, they have a pool of liquefied human. So cool. It's the, so, it's one the, of the coolest expressions of this exact plot. Yes, yeah, so they're, they're, they're then pooling into like a giant like Buddha statue that is the manifestation of Odio in this time. Like, this is the plot of all these shows, but actually making them like real liquid human is a is a cool it's a cool twist on it yes uh, so yeah you fight their robot powered by people and you with your robot powered by people but in a good way uh, who can say and it happens you're like damn that's it that's the whole that's the whole genre right there on my screen <laughs> my favorite thing is that the robot is at the basement of this guy's house but you have to go down like eight staircases every time every time and, and like, you have the to go down a few screen. times yeah they're like the identical screen and you go all the way down to this giant robot and then when you finally do launch it the, it comes out of the pool like it's Mazinger and it's sick it's so good and then you just you fly around the town the, the small town map that you've been on um, and just wiping like wiping out tanks and planes with your giant robot powers it's so fucking good it's amazing it's amazing it's, yeah it really gets across the like they don't have a mechanical way to actually make controlling a robot different from controlling a person because of their battle system um, but you take up so many squares and the like uh ways your powers work are so much more different from like the way in which like akira's powers would all be raced around his psychic powers because by the way he has psychic powers we didn't mention that part but that's also in here um <laughs> i did say he's manifesting psychic powers but yes he does he can read everyone's mind it's not like that relevant but he can do no, it. no he can do it um and it's like a really just good expression of oh damn i've like you become the robot and when you control the robot you like become a different level of ability to like do battle um which is obviously right robots are big that's the whole point of the mecha genre uh but uh it's just a very good version of like making that uh, expressed through the way you play it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I love this one. B the two robots just having a big fuck off fight, but like because they're giant sprites, the like battlefield is just the tiniest thing in the world, and they're you're just knocking lumps out of the big statue. It's great. I love it. It's amazing. There's only like three squares that are like able to be moved into in that because yes. the sprites are so big. Yes. <laughs> The next chapter, then, is Mechanical Heart, which is the sci-fi chapter about the cargo ship Cognito Ergo Sum. Uh, 
and it is like a big transport ship and on it are a mismatched crew and one of the crew is building a maintenance robot uh, named Cube, which is the character you play as. And that uh, Cube wakes up and looks around and is like, what's going on? And uh, its creator, whose name is, escapes me, is like, uh, oh, you know, I made you to be useful. And you follow uh, him into a bunch of drama and uh, weird shit on the ship uh, where crew members start dying and everyone thinks there's a murder on board and what could it possibly be and then maybe there's a mysterious alien in the cargo hold that they're bringing back to earth and there's a military guy that nobody trusts and uh, can you tell that this is alien because if you looked at it for a single second you'd be like damn they're just doing alien <laughs> so when i clicked play on this um the the text the green text appeared on the screen i was like this is a bit similar like this is just alien and then i didn't know how much <laughs> just entire, alien i was about to get the entire chapter is like can we make alien an rpg with no combat and the answer is yes it's actually yeah, sick it's actually pretty sick it's this is a really cool chapter the like the the top three are easily sundown um a near future in this to yeah. me um it's it's great like there's no combat um but it communicates its like play through it's entirely dialogue triggers but it's like space of the mat in such a way and the sound design is such there's a little like anxious exploring of the ship looking for the right thing yes um it does a lot of work to make you feel uh like like get you in the cube's headspace who has no dialogue because cube's just like a weird robot that kato made yeah um but even though you're watching the like you're watching a plot about characters that aren't you and there's no battles or like technically any like a game part um it is constructed really really well like this mm. this chapter is where they're like oh this is where like it's all it's throughout the games but this is where a lot of like this you could already take the combat of a lot of rpgs games were already doing it yeah <laughs> you didn't need to wait till like um you know rpg maker games from 10 years later uh you know this is like uh, they're just doing stuff from, like to the moon or something right yeah uh, to, um, I, the thing i thought of a lot playing this was tacoma the way you'd walk into a scene and it was happening like while you were like you just yes. witness a scene that you are like a part of but not like actually be actively able to engage with yeah it has a lot of those like you know more recent games but um you can feel the dna in here yes. whether they're direct influences or not um it's coming from similar places yep um the plot of this is like oh yeah there's a monster loose and people like made people getting murdered what's going on and you keep asking the captain who's like locked in his room and replying to you in mysterious ways you go i think that's a hologram and he is a hologram it's true <laughs> um, actually what happened is they said captain should be here any moment and the captain comes up on screen and within three frames of him appearing he was like hologram it's a hologram um and then because you've seen alien before or even know of alien like remotely you're like oh well the computer's clearly the one at fault here and it's true uh the computer od 10 uh audio um is uh you know it hates the crew for being miserable humans and wants to get rid of them and uh thinks that it has a companion in cube and cube uh doesn't say anything obviously but cube rejects this and uh works with the the military guy who you're like oh he's he's the bad guy in the first half clearly he is not the bad guy um to defeat the computer uh, by playing the computer game that is on the deck uh called captain square uh <laughs> which is like what it, it looks like a weird like tron kind of game but it just plays like the combat of this game live alive <laughs> which is very funny yeah. That's how um, they put the like final boss in. You can yeah. still get your megalomania on. 
and uh you fight that and yeah we haven't talked about we'll have to talk about that in a second uh you fight that <laughs> yes. and then you and the 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 military guy are like you he's like i would love coffee from you because he keeps rebuffing every time cube made call because cube could make coffee for everyone that's one of the skills cube has and he kept saying ah who wants coffee from a robot because he fought in the robot wars against the terminators and has robot trauma <laughs> Uh, and at the end of the chapter, he's sitting down there at the thing, and I'm like, the second this ends, before even the dialogue is, is about to come happens, I'm like, let me make coffee, let me make coffee, let me make coffee, let me make coffee. <laughs> and they go through my dialogue, and he's like, you know, I could really have one of your coffees right now. I was like, yes! Yeah. They did it! <laughs> it's good. Yeah, this is like a yeah. There's like there's that one battle against Audio at the end, and if you want to play the computer game, you can. Um, and it, it gives you like some combat challenges or whatever, and it, it, it's fine. But like mostly, this is navigating this this three levels of this spaceship and figuring out how to do that, and seeing all the scenes play out, and it's just really good. It it uh, reminded me that uh, RPGs can be anything; they could just be a movie. <laughs> RPGs can just be a movie. This kind of like top-down dialogue-based um you know simple sprites of with uh, a, f- a few expressions and emotions um it's it's a it's a there's a reason this became like the accepted way to do large scope cinematic storytelling uh in video games before 3d yeah um like there are obviously other ways people are doing this but this was you know people called rpg the story games for a reason um, yes and even like uh you know, you go into Infinity Engine stuff, and that's still coming. It's different, like design lineage, but it's still isometric, sprite-based, few ranges of emotions, like a couple voice lines. It's not until 3D that this like shifts away from being the main form. And you just this chapter is a great expression of why this is the way that they decided to do it. This like this, it works really well. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned uh, Megalomania, and it's worth pointing out. It sounds very similar to Megalovania, the you know famous boss theme from Undertale. Megalomania plays in every Odeo fight at the end of every chapter. Here uh, is a banger, and was a song that Toby Fox like wanted, like either used or wanted to use for like one of his like early Earthbound ROM hacks or whatever. Um, and Megalovania is in fact named after it, and is trying to be as good of a banger. It, you know, it, it is. They're both pretty good. They're great songs. They're, they're both bangers. Let's yes. be real. Yeah. But um, because yeah, I, th- I think Megalovania is originally from one of the Earthbound hacks or something. Yeah. Uh, to come from a home Homestuck. It was used before Undertale. It's his, yes. it's his like you know fav- famous song. He loves it, and yes. it comes from Megalomania. But the idea is that it's like a recurring theme that would appear in other, th- you know, like the Odeo theme just shows up in all these RPGs. Uh, yes uh anyway final chapter is king of demons
at a competition between two rivals, or like a competition for the hand of the princess, uh, Orsted, the hero, defeats his friend Strabo in combat after they both wipe out some losers who don't matter and gets the hand of Princess Alicia. She seems very smitten with him and is like, oh, thank you. You're you're the strongest. You'll be here with me forever. And then like, you know, as they're as the night, like, you know, they're having a romantic interlude on the balcony. The Demon King comes and steals her away. Um, and Orsted decides to go get her uh, from the Forbidden Land, which is literally like, you can see it from the castle. I'm like, damn, you should have moved this castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool shot, though. Yes, it's a cool shot. And Strabo joins you, and then you gather the two heroes that once defeated the Demon King like a generation ago uh, as part of their party. Uh, Hash, the hero who actually defeated him, and er- Ernest, who is a um, like a monk guy. And they're both like old, crusty motherfuckers who are ready to go. They're like, ah, oh, I guess we're going to put on the... Hash is a little reluctant at first for reasons that he discovered later, but uh, they're both like, yeah, put on the sh- shields and let's fucking go. Let's ruin this guy. Um, and you go up there and you go fight the Demon King and it goes really fucking bad because uh, Demon King's ready for you and there's a trap and Alicia's not there and Strabo gets caught in a cave-in and it fucking sucks. And you, you defeated the Demon King, but you're like, that was too easy. What the fuck happened here? Uh, so back at the castle, uh, uh, and also Hash sacrificed himself to defeat the fake Demon King. Bad time. Bad time. Yeah. Um, back at the castle, Orsted, like, the, the king's like, well, you did your best, uh, take a rest, and we'll see what happens. And in the middle of the night, um, you wake up uh, You wake up to see Strabo, like, leaving your bedroom. You're like, oh, Strabo, what? And you follow him, and you find the Demon Lord, and you stab him, only to realize that it wasn't the Demon Lord, it was the king. Uh, who you've been glamored and you get uh, condemned for murdering the king, obviously. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're in league with the demon king and Uranus allows himself to be captured uh, to get you uh, free to leave. Um, and you go and explore on your own and you go to the, the demon king's castle once again, now by yourself. And you learn that Strabo was jealous of you for getting Lucretia and took the demon king's power on. You kill Strabo, and then you find Alicia, but she blames you for leaving her. And through all the Demon King is like, only Strabo was willing to come and, you know, be with me, and you left me to die. And she stabs herself and falls on top of Strabo, and it's dramatic. And uh, Orsted's like, damn, I will become the Joker, and accepts the <laughs> role of Demon King. Uh, and, like, at that point, like vaporizes all life on in this time and like all of like the world like freezes and uh names himself odio he has become the demon king to be continued yeah to be continued it's sick then you get to the final chapter you get to choose any of the eight characters um i'll briefly want touch on the orsted one if you pick orsted because it's great uh at orsted you're back there like i'm the demon king what do we do now? Well, we're going to fucking destroy time and space is what we're going to do. And <laughs> you go down to this big room that's like before where you where you first fight the Demon King. That's like eight statues or seven statues of all of the Odeo bosses. You're like, you walk into that room, you're like, oh, damn, all, here's all the Odeo bosses. And you teleport into them and you play as the final boss of every chapter and you wreck the hero and you you end the world. Or if you get beat up, you can just trigger the apocalypse early and it's pretty sick. That one's good. That joke ending is very cool. Yes. But uh, you can just play as Orsted and kill a life and be like, finally, I am alone, as I always wanted, desired. <laughs> the when you end. trigger the apocalypse, it, um, it says, like, after all, everything was blown away. Dun, it just dun, dun, is dun. the Earthbound <laughs> ending. <laughs> well, it's the um, Chrono Trigger ending. Oh, right, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The future refused to change. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. 
Right. Is there enough about things this as well? No, no, no. Am I, getting- I was actually thinking of the uh, opening where it's like uh, Gigas attacks is also like this. Oh, yes, yes, the, yes. Um, there's a little, yes, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. Both of those things are cool. Gee, the future refused to change is one of the coolest things about Chrono Trigger. Yes. <laughs> so I was glad it was in here as well. So you do that, you're like, okay, yeah, that's fun. And then you pick one of the other characters. Uh, we both pick Sundown, uh, which is mechanically nice because recruiting Sundown's a giant pain in the ass. I was reading, I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to do this, but I just like Sundown the most. So Yes, we pick Sundown. We go and find everyone. We yeah, you're, ha- you're, and we- you're in the frozen kingdom of uh, Lucretia. Um, and you, you gather everyone who's been pulled into this time and scattered to the winds and you form a party and everything is like, uh, you, you get in combat everywhere here and it, and all of the buildings have become like portals into character dungeons that if you have that character in your party, you go in and you find a dungeon, and you get their ultimate weapon and there's super bosses and it's items and enemies from all over the time stream. Like you fight enemies from every chapter and you pull items in from every chapter and it's fucking sick. It's really cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. There's a lot of stuff like this in future Square games, just in the Final Fantasy and that Kingdom Hearts stuff I've played. Oh, we're at the end of time. It's it's happened like four. It's in the the end of time is a world in like six Square games. Yes. Um, Happens all the time. You go to the end of time. It's where it's, you know, next of all destiny. You got to go kill the demon who has given up on hope, you know, replace proper nouns with whatever the the theming of the game is, but the plot's the same. And this is one of the best expressions of that because it's not like. Okay, so the, the version of this world in Kingdom Hearts is like, um, it's a bunch of like mist, and then you see like a few. There's there's some there's some like 3D model work with like bits of Destiny Island and stuff. Uh, but this isn't. They haven't made anything new here, and it gives it a different tone. They've not made a place that's like a mysterious void, which is often where this goes in a JRPG uh, design sense. It just constructed out of the broken pieces of the rest of the game. The whole but, thing is. But also, the framework is still just the medieval chapter, which is great because yes. the medieval chapter is them going, how do we make a, a fake dragon quest? But because they're the people what made Final Fantasy IV, what they did make was fake Final Fantasy. <laughs> There's bits in that where I'm like, you could have just. You, this is a fake prelude theme. You own that. This isn't like the Street Fighter thing. You own the prelude theme. God, just, if they had you, just put the Final Fantasy music in the in the King of Demons chapter, it would have been so fucking sick. It would have been the coolest thing. Because like the music that Shimura writes is like weirdly surprisingly similar to a lot of the music in Four in this in this area, and I really like it. It's some of my favorite music in the game. Actually, is in the the the, the King of Demons and Final Chapter stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just wild to go through this space um, that feels like, like by pulling them not into like a mysterious void or whatever, but actually the free, the, the like er framework of all RPGs, which is like a fantasy adventure in a kingdom uh, just makes it grounded in a way that's really interesting to me and makes the, all the like seven characters you've played as a, a bunch of weirdos, like really work in this setting where they're all out of context, but the, in the context is specific. It's not like a space void, right? No, because the, the the spaces are like there's like four spaces, and it's uh, castle and castle town, mm-hmm. uh, non castle town, yes, uh, the mountain and forbidden land, yes, uh, which is just like the mo- we need to get we need to distill the entire genre into four locations. What do we got? I guess it's yep. also for the connective forest. Yep, uh, there's a- and that's it. That's all you get. There's also like. When you recruit Cube, you have to pick up a battery on the mountain. And what the battery, like, what the description of the battery is, is depends on the character. Like, if you are Sundown, it's like, picked up Iron Box. If you're a Kiri, it's like, oh, picked up battery. If you're, like, Pogo, you're like, oh, picked up shiny object. <laughs> 
Yes. It's just like is really good about the way these characters mishmash together. Like when you play as Akira, you have a you have a you have a turtle that has been liquefied and put into a mech as one of your party members. It's fucking weird. We didn't cover it, but it's it's good. Um and the way that that thing levels up is it gathers robot parts as accessories that give it new moves that make it more useful. And if you take those off that character and slap them on Akira like a guide will tell you or if you're playing it the second time or whatever, you give those all to Cube and Cube suddenly has a bunch of sick robot moves that Cube never had in Cube's chapter. <laughs> they're really useful <laughs> yes because um, cube's just like the super healer yeah uh, and it's great at that obviously but like uh akira being able to power cube up make cube boss is great uh and if you play as oboro you you run twice as fast because that was his thing and uh i think if you play as akira you can read people's minds but it, does, it doesn't seem like it's especially relevant there's one bit where it's useful yeah literally one bit there's like yep. two hidden figures yeah and you just need them in this party uh, yep. in the party you don't need them yeah it's pleasant uh but yeah you go through a bunch of super dungeons this one this area to me reminded me so much of the final dungeon in final fantasy 4 which takita made right before this game basically that makes a lot of because i guess i guess the final dungeon of 4 is basically this entire world but what if it was just one yeah what if it was just like dungeon? lunar caves right like because the devolved dungeon of um, four is like a very different expression of this. Because it's the same thing in terms of its labyrinthian quality, and it's just like tested constant battles and endurance. Yeah. But it's far more about just like the, you know, it's it's very monotonous. It's a weird choice for final dungeon, um, because the weird thing wrong, but it's definitely like a bold choice because it wants you to sit with the fact that this is I'm fighting through the entire fucking moon. <laughs> Yeah, it takes forever, it's, and you're running constantly out of supplies. That's the one thing this one doesn't have is because you're not supply constrained really because you heal every battle. But the uh, lunar subterrain is all about like how far can you stretch your capacity to go down this enormous moon cave. Yeah, it, it's like a Herculean task in the way that most Final Fantasy dungeons, especially afterwards uh, for the end of the game, don't tend to be because they want you to finish the fucking video game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason they move away from this design, but putting like taking the final dungeon of Fantasy Four, right, and then putting it in the context of like a world of balance situation, world of ruin situation, where the game opens up and most of it is framed as optional. Um, yeah, I think it's a really smart choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, my frustrations with the world of balance, with the world of, every time with the world of ruin, is that I got used to the game having story, and then it suddenly doesn't. Yes, um, and the. But that's because it's one story that is keeping on going. Um, it makes more sense here when you've had seven complete stories, uh, and it's fine that you're not getting that much like you know narrative. There's no one in the world. The world's empty in a, in a similar way, but it doesn't feel as jarring. It's not like everyone's arcs have stopped halfway through the game. Um, I, it's just a really smartly constructed version of ideas I've seen a lot of other games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then your party goes in and fights Odio and. Uh... There's multiple ways this can go. You can fight Odio and that and kill him, or you can spare him and go back and talk to all the statues and decide to go and defeat Odio at all times, which is the way you get the best ending, which is sick. Um, yes, it's good. Uh, then you fight them all, and they're all like they're not even like real battles. You hit Odio once and it dies basically every time. Yeah, there's there's one final boss. And then, the, then you go into the like you know. I left him because I'm like, well, it's a video game. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, I, they have not made the video game where just choosing to murder the guy is the best ending. I'd do that, uh, but not in a game like this. Yeah. Um, um, the the Odio fight is actually really cool because Odio is a giant fuck off like plant face like screen filling sprite that you're like standing on. It's very cool. I love this. It's like the best final boss. <laughs> there is nothing. 
nothing in video games that gets even slightly close in modern video games, I should say, to the like epoch changing battle opening that is a really good SNES final boss. Yes. Um, because now you're just finding maybe it's a bigger guy, right? Or maybe it's like a massive Dark Souls boss in a cooler, there's, there's cool things, but like. You can't completely change the way in which you are interfacing with basic concepts of space in the way that a lot of SNES bosses do because of, like, that was the restriction they had to work in. Like, they couldn't just make a cooler sprite. You've seen the sprites. What else can we do? Oh, we'll make... What if the screen was just a... What if you couldn't even comprehend the form of Gygus attacks? Yes. Um, and this is a really good one of those. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you beat him and then you do the statues and you beat all those. And then you give him a big speech about learning to love again. He's like, damn, you were right. I shouldn't have been the Joker. Being the Joker is stupid. And then he dies. <laughs> and then he dies. Uh, with warning you that someone will always be a, the Demon King with hate in their heart. And then everyone gets transported back to their time and there's an epilogue and then they all run towards the suns. Like, the sun says behind them they all run towards the camera together in one last curtain call and it's the most incredible thing in the world. Uh, the day I started tweeting this, I forget what I was, I started playing this, I forget what I was tweeting about. Uh, but I did tweet that games need to bring back the uh, sprite-based uh, Encore. Yes, <laughs> I was losing my mind calling. that you just nailed it, called it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, every SNES game has this. Yeah. This is just how games ended. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Like, you know, they all go back to their own times. It's like, oh, we're, you know, we're being cast the winds again. It's fine because, you know, we only barely knew each other. But instead of doing the big melancholy, like now everyone's trapped in their own time kind of thing, it is just the. And then for no reason, everyone is running up and doing their big curtain call. And it's incredible. You love it. Cube yeah. is wheeling around right next to like a ninja. <laughs> They're just the heroes of their times. And yeah. they uh, will keep us all safe. It's really. So what did you think of the actual plot at the end of the game? Because I was I was I think I mostly liked it. Um but it definitely it does seven like very stock plots and then has an eighth plot to title together that is also the stock plot. I think it's uh, fine for what it is. Like, you yes. know, this is not a narratively dense game. There's no like no. shocking twist or anything. Um I just thought it was good. I think the like Orsted into Odeo bit is like it's it's like fun and good in like a way that like as much as we talk about like the Lysandros of the world, you don't get heel turns from main characters ever, and it's just nice to get that in this. Or if you do, they're like gotcha twists. Yeah, you don't get to see because the, the reason, I, and this is kind of a gotcha twist. This is like the, the nineteen ninety four version of this twist. But I was, I didn't like Orsted <laughs> for much of the same, like in a way that I didn't know the game was going to tip its hand about. Because I'm like, I mean, he just won everything. His life's perfect. Uh, the villain's just the other guy who sucks and this is like always a very boring villain because you're like aha even though I'm better than you you should just be happy to be not as good as me and I'm like this is a lot of like you know there's some Shona stuff that goes this way that I don't like I just think it's like what are you a child watching this meant to take from this right what is the moral here and then he just immediately becomes the joke and I'm like fuck shit they wrong footed me they got me <laughs> they did yeah. it it was great yeah yeah for sure because um, the entire straight by fight, I'm like, really? I just got to kill the other? That's a boring villain. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't know about it. I didn't know. They completely got me. 1994, they got me. Yeah, I think I just think it's good. Like, you know, nothing's like super crazy, but uh, it all fits together really well. It really understands what makes every individual genre work. And that that's all you need, honestly. Yes. Also, they play, play all the boss fights again at the end. Everyone is fighting through time. Yeah, it's good. Um. 
Yeah, this game's this game's uh, it's weird because like talking about it, like it is a game that exists as like bigger than the sum of its parts. Like the game parts fine, and everything is kind of like a genre exercise. But because there's eight of them, it's it just adds up to like something really incredible. Yeah, and some of the chapters are really that that good. Um, Yeah, but it's more just like you get through it and. I feel like us talking about it has been like brought it down to earth in a way of just like it's a very understandable thing that's not even that impressive in many ways um but what it's actually about is you do all this and then it's eight heroes across all of time running towards or away from the sunsets uh as the guardians of like against becoming the joker in all in all things but also like a 25 hour game that plays in eight different genres and does them all well and is like mechanically sound is like the ideal of what i want in a video game (laughs) yes like this is this is this is this is the second best SNES RPG. <laughs> Only Earthbound dares more and is better. I might like this more than Earthbound. I love um, this game. I think this game is incredible. I can't believe that I we slept on it for so long. Um, I can't believe it's not like better known. Uh, it's wild to me. I would be so curious, and maybe nothing would change, but like, would the reception of Chrono Trigger be what it is if Live Live had come out here. Because it's the same game, but it does some some of the stuff so much better. Yeah, like, Chrono Trigger is, like, a more coherent game to play in a lot of ways, um, but the story is just not as good. No, not even slightly. Um, so, yeah, a brief rundown of uh, what Takeda was up to after this game. Uh, went on to make Chrono Trigger, obviously. Um, uh, then, uh, work, it was event planner on seven director and wrote parasite Eve. Uh, that's kind of the only game he really worked on, on parasite Eve series, but he did do the first one. It's incredible. And then he got put on the final fantasy remake duty. Um, and was, uh, working on the three and four 3d remakes. Um, which makes okay. sense considering he, he was the lead de- designer and scenario writer on four. Um, he did the after years as a, as a producer, uh, seemingly like worked really close on that. And then now exists as someone who is special thanked on video games in square. Uh, yeah, he was a director on four heroes of light and then sent into the fucking ether yep. to occasionally like give a comment saying, you know, if you want to remake of live alive, tell the, tell square that Yeah, I'm like, I would love, I would love to see modern Square Enix completely fail to remake Live Alive. I'd g- give me that right now. I'd be terrible. I'd play it though. Yes. Can you imagine? Yeah. As someone who is like the world's only Final Fantasy IV: The After Years fan, playing this game, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Because Final Fantasy IV: The After Years, if you don't know, is was a originally was a mobile game that went on WiiWare and then is now packaged with the PSP release of Four. Um, is a is a episodic game where you play as various like ancillary characters or children of main characters like 30 years after the end 20 years after the end of uh final Fantasy 4 and they all have their plots and then they come together at the end in a big super plot and it's like way too long and like kind of fiddly because 4 is not like a is like a different kind of very bare rpg and doesn't really support this kind of framework but it is super cool and i like it a lot uh in japan it was called final fantasy 4 the after return of the moon hell yeah the coolest fucking title yeah um i need to play that because everything you've said about it sounds cool and it also makes me understand why no one else likes it yes because i'm like oh this just sounds like um a video game version of a bad ova movie yes I'd it love, absolutely I love is, those, that. is the thing <laughs> yes. yeah um but that's it this game's really good yeah. people should play it if you have listened to this you're like damn i should play that you should play it you should you should play it yeah play the video games we got some. We got some uh, emails. We should we do, and then we should get out of here. Yeah. 
If you would like to send us questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Please note that our email has changed because uh, the forward of the other one is fucking terrible. It keeps eating yeah, emails. Well, we had a proper, like, oh, this is a proper domain set up, and then the host started having an argument with Google, and now we can't anymore. So, yeah. send it that way. Uh, first one is from Britain. Uh, I have to ask in front of you, in case you didn't cover in the podcast, what are your favorite chapters? Also, if you could assemble a party of any characters from any chapter, who would you choose? Maximum you can choose is four. Uh, obviously, um, we said our favorite chapters, but who's your party? If you get anybody. Who's my party at, at the end of the game? No, no, no. If you get anybody, not even like main characters. Oh, no, no, main characters. Um, I mean, uh, my main my main party was Pogo. Sun, Sundown was my main character. Pogo, uh, Cube, and um, uh, Lee. That was mine as well. Except I was, uh, Yuan was my uh, fighter. Mm -hmm. And he just had like 99 of everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, he was the one I found first because you find him right at the top of the mountain. Yeah. So he was basically always in my party. And him and Sunday were like level 20 by the end. Yeah. So just wrecking shit. Yep. Um, oh, who would I choose? Who are the, the non um, playable. I pick Belle. She's like the lady in the Pogo chapter. She's great. Belle's cool. Uh, the turtle guy from Akira's chapter. Mm -hmm. um, those are the only two I can think of that I think are like cool. Yeah, the, the, they put the on cool ones in the main characters. <laughs> yep, Sundown's just that cool. He's really cool. Yep. He orders a drink of milk at the bar in, yep. in the old west. All his all his moves are like weird, like diagonal shots that you have to like line up properly, but do a ton of damage. It's great. I love it. He can, so long as you're on a diagonal, he can, like, counter from anywhere. Yes. Uh, most useful character. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we got an email from Eve. You're making Live Alive 2. What are some settings, genres you pick for the different chapters? Oh, no. No repeats. No seven repeats. new elemental genres. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to come up with seven, but anything off the top of your head. Okay, well, I'm having, I mean, de debate exactly where this goes, right? But uh, I, like, spy... Uh, oh, like, sad a, spy like story. a Cold War spy story? Yeah, like Wick Away, John Wick Away. Uh, three Kingdoms. <laughs> three Kingdoms, John Wick Away. <laughs> yeah. Famous Irish writer. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, like, uh, like, like a rock musician kind of thing. I would want one that's just like a rhythm game. You have to play a rhythm game the entire time. Um, Claudio yeah, okay. is going on tour and he's going to have wife problems. <laughs> If he fu I would, you know, full marks if Claudio ever actually makes a story about being sad about your wife on tour and not fake doing that through sci-fi a million times. Um, yeah. Uh, we can do, we just have like a, a slice of life one. Oh, hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. I don't know how you get that in the format of like an RPG, but you, you can you can turn that into it. Even if it's like, okay, instead of doing Tokyo and Super Robots, we're doing like Magical Girl stuff. I'll take yeah. that. Yep. For sure. You could you could easily fill out Live Alive Two with seven new, uh, you know, <laughs> elemental genres. Yeah. Uh, Hilver asked a question: What are your favorite video game spaceship interiors? Are there specific spaceship rooms, like the engine or a greenhouse, that you'd like to see? Uh, well, uh, Tacoma is up there because it's a game about exploring a spaceship interior, which is cheating, but it is really good. You know what's cool? The Normandy. Don't like Mass Effect, but the Normandy is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool ship. It's a pretty cool ship. It's a pretty cool ship. 
the best video game ever made um is that one that got taken down that is just a recreation of the enterprise d oh yes <laughs> just want to walk around the enterprise d all the time yeah 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 no for sure um i like the rag i like the interior of the ragnarok in final c8 i think that's a cool one that's a cool one yeah what's what's your favorite room in a in a ship conference rooms conference uh, it's 100 percent the conference room <laughs> yeah as long as it's got a big window that's all i'm looking for uh and, yeah like and bridges window. i mean we could talk about bridges forever we have and will bridges is usually the place i care about which is yeah. why one of the reasons i like the normandy because i don't like the cockpit bit right that's boring yeah um, but they do have the galaxy map and the actual like if they weren't cowards they wouldn't have also put like a you know firefly cockpit at the front of it Mm-hmm. It would have all been guy standing on Galaxy Map Bridge, commanding people on. We like Star Trek. I don't know how much that's clear. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have an email from Anthony. What are your some of your favorite video game remakes or remasters? Uh, ones that you think really nailed making the game pretty, or that made great changes to gameplay. Uh, there's is uh, Spiral Reignited or Odin Sphere. Um, Spyro Ignite is like really good other than the part where I don't really like Spyro that much but it's like well, really well made it, yeah that's definitely a good one I'm trying to think of them because we're such like you know grumpy purist most of the time uh, Remake uh, is really good Remake right uh, yes Resident Met- Evil Metroid Zero Mission fucking whips love it mm-hmm. um, gosh what else because um, when I think of them I just think of like they're barely rem- like you know the Killer 7 Steam version's a port yeah uh, but I'm like, that's a fucking good port. It runs at 60, works perfectly. What a great game. I, mean, I like I like um, the Final Fantasy 1 and 2 remakes quite a bit. I think they're fine. They're the good. ones in the GBA? Yeah, and then the DS, you know. Or not DS, uh, PSP. Okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the GBA ones look... The, the PSP sprites are a bit bad. I know, but like, there's solid ways to play those games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of good ones. I know there have to be more for me. But uh, you liked the Tony Hawk one and two. That's true. That one that just came out. I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Damn, they should make more of those. Oh wait. Yep. Uh, uh, Alex sends an email. Uh, finished playing Live Life. Thought the game was okay. Uh, knowing the director wanted to make Chrono Trigger make sense, this game is playing with the form of JRPG. Is thought it was a bit frustrating. The items you can take being indistinguishable from the background and all the secret items. Um. Uh, didn't like the prehistoric chapter. That's because it's bad. Uh, question. What was your party? We already did that. What would your level 16 ultimate ability be? My level 16 ultimate ability be? Yes. God. Oh, I've no. What do I do? I don't know. Probably some drums thing. Yeah, I don't know what mine would be. Going to sleep. Can I go, go sleep, sleep at level 16? God, I was going to sleep. <laughs> Um, and then would you consider Live Alive a JoJo? No, no. I think that would, have, that would require like generational, like passing down of the characters, and that's not what the game is about. Live Alive is not a JoJo. Castlevania is a JoJo. That's true. Castlevania is a JoJo. That's correct. Do you want to read the next one? Uh, yeah, the next one is from uh, Joe. 
Hi Jackson M. I'm unsure that you talked about this before in Unreal Mapping, but it's something that's been weighing on my mind and I think it's worth revisiting. How can you be brain normal about video games? You know, big mood. Um, being more specific, I've been trying to get back into playing new games. I constantly feel anxious about how I'm spending my time and what my experience is. I got too anxious about missing both important content and playing to get torment, and if playing using a guide every five minutes would make my experience of the game more chore-like, it got to a point where I chose to watch Jackson's LP of playing to get torment. Uh, don't do that. I was so long ago. I didn't finish. <laughs> um, yes, they like my perspective, and then I got halfway through, and we're like, oh, this isn't finished. Yeah, God, I'm sorry. Uh, um, how do you deal with these types of anxieties around video games? I mean, I don't. I clearly do. I have many, many decades of, uh, yeah, decades, years of audio evidence of me not dealing with this. So, uh, rip. I mean, the answer is we have a podcast where we have to play one game a month. And for many years, that's all I did. I didn't play any other games. I didn't, I hated games. I was down on it. And then eventually you'll, you'll come back around and if like, probably, maybe, I mean, you don't have to play video games, right? There's many things you can do with your time and it's not important that you keep up on video games. It, it's well, a recreational, it's like not even like a good recreational media, but it's like a recreational media. Like it doesn't matter. Um, this is specifically, this is like a little more of a subsection, um, it isn't just like a generic brain normal stuff, but it's more of a like, how do I not check the guide every four seconds? What am I doing? Mean, what if I miss this? What if I do this? Which is like, I have that intensely. Um, and I think I did okay with Live Alive in that I had a guide and I checked it occasionally. I didn't check it like that much, um, but I didn't ignore it either. Because uh, at the start I was like, I'm going to play no guide. And then five minutes I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I just think this is one of those things where you should just let it be and maybe you'll come back around. Like I, I was, I was not enjoying video games for like three years and this year I do some clicked. I'm like back in, uh, you should start playing apex. I mean, I guess, I don't know if that's a solution for everyone. I was playing video games before. I didn't get into apex till after I'd like, you know, finished 15 no. and stuff. But apex has been like. Not it's not been like as life consuming as your binding of Isaac phase, but it has been similarly like uh definitive about this period of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you finish finish up with work, you go play Apex in the evening. Yep. Um But yeah, I, I don't have any good advice other than like it really doesn't matter. And obviously it doesn't work. Telling yourself that doesn't work. It has never worked for me. Um, but it is an important thing to remember. It's not like meaningless to, to remind yourself of that. There is no... If you just don't want to play a video game because you can't be brain numb about it, then just do something else. I think the only wrong choice is to do nothing. But yeah. I mean, no, that's not true. The only wrong choice is to not decide. If you just want to sit and stare at a wall and listen to music because that is what you want to do, you should do that. Spend your time however you want. It doesn't matter. No one's going to remember us. <laughs> Sorry to get completely like nihilistic, right? But like, there's no need to like produce or consume correctly. Uh, just be good to people and live well. It doesn't matter if you do or don't play any video games. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's, a, that's a heavy answer, but it's the right one. That's because when I'm playing video games, I'm also thinking, oh, I've got so many JRPGs in my backlog that I will be probably dead by the time I'm done with them. And I yep. have this crisis every time. Me writes in saying that uh, she's playing Digimon Story Cybersleuth alongside this game. And it's uh, was asking just what our favorite numbers go ups type games are. Um, and to which I say, I want to be playing old Final Fantasies literally every day. I think about it constantly. <laughs> yeah. Thought about the yes, yesterday I thought or two days ago I thought about playing 13 day before that I was like oh, I should really finish I should really go back and finish three I always want to be playing Final Fantasy 4 uh, that's just it's just my brain <laughs> 
context while you are actively playing Lost Odyssey, which is basically an old Final Fantasy anyway. Yes. <laughs> this never stops. This is that we're both this person. Yeah, I just like Final Fantasy more than basically anything else. Yep. That's why you hate video games so much before this uh, yeah. year. <laughs> We've got an email from another May, uh, writes in. One of the things about Live Alive that I found most compelling starting out was how it's the video game equivalent of a short story collection. Um, I don't think I've seen this many other places the shame. Why do you think the style of game isn't super common? Uh, if it is common, I've just been living under rock. Do you have recommendations for similar type of games? The problem is that, like, it's hard to make seven or eight distinct things mechanically. Um Yes. And games are, like, you know, the the thing with this game gets away with is it already has, like, an RPG framework and it's pulling it all together. Um, this was something that was easier to do in the 90s. Um, it was slightly more common then, but not, like, that common. It is easier to make a game with an aesthetic and build, a like, an amount of it. Whether it's a lot or a little, that is the easiest way to produce something. Yep. Um, Anthologies but- are hard. But there are like there are like twine game anthologies and stuff like that. Like those these exist out in the world. Yes, um, absolutely. I know there's. I can't think of the name of. It. There was like a, there was like a game series that was like exquisite corpse style where people would take an idea and like make a small game and then pass it off to someone else to make something else. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's something that in my mind is like a year old, but it's probably like six years old at this point. It's, I think it's even older than that. Oh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, with the recent re-release of Nier, there's been a rehashing of discourse about the game. Uh, there's even discourse about the fact that the discourse is different because of how we talk about games in 2021. My question is, if you could revive any previously released game to be discourse again in 2021, what would you choose, if any? Any? What are we doing? What discourse are you bringing back? <laughs> there's no There's no good answer here. Every answer is cursed. You don't want to do so let's, this. Let's get cursed. Let's do it. Where are we, where are we going? Pull deep. Where are we going? Valhalla. Where are we dropping, boys? Valhalla. Valhalla. Oh, oh no! Loading Valhalla on oh. a gun and shooting it at everyone who says Valhalla's good. Please reckon so with your fucking 4chan made game about, like, child sex workers and jokes about them. Fuck off. Valhalla's so fucking terrible. I've never been more mad at a video game. Yeah, Valhalla is, like, putrid. Because um, I, yeah, I played that first uh, section of the game. I was like, wait, this is so, this is, like, bad on a level beyond normal bad games. I'm, you, you have fun with your podcast. I'm done. Yeah, it sucked. I don't do that podcast anymore. <laughs> not because Valhalla was bad. That's not why. I just didn't have time. But um, okay, I've got to pick a lighter answer than yeah. Valhalla. Yep. The fucking I choose world peace, but yours is good too. Answer of this question. I think I think I would like to see Bioshock Two reevaluated because I think it's a genuinely good game. Not even Minerva's Den. I mean specifically stock ass Bioshock Two. I think that game got short shrift and is good. Um. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back. This is another cursed answer. So this would make us really miserable. But I'm bringing back Kotor too. No. <laughs> Which way would it go? Which way would it go? Because currently the people like holding the torture Kotor too are like some of our friends. Um, and it's like cool cool people, right? Uh, who it is like a cool contrarian opinion. Would it become the consensus one that it's good, or would it become go the other way and be like, actually, I hate it this. I'm so mind. mad. I don't want to think about this. I'm so <laughs> grumpy about Kotor 2. I was I arguing with Nora about Kotor and Kotor 2. That wasn't even arguing. We just talked about it just like two days ago playing Apex. So mm-hmm. never escape Kotor's reach. That's it. That's our emails. We did. We podcast done. You can Only send them, two hours. Yeah, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, next month, we are playing Max Payne 2. 
Uh, we played the original way back in the day. Uh, always kind of meant to go back to the second one. Didn't. We kind of need a lighter month because Jackson needs to play uh, Gravity Rush for future reasons. And I'm playing Tyranny for Journal Updated, another uh, podcast on our network. Go to the second best game club to check out Journal Updated. Uh, so we're going to be busy. Uh, That's right. Our next JRPG, obviously, the month after that in June is going to be Lost Odyssey. I've already started that. So I'm so excited. Um, there, some of the bosses in that first disc are really fucking hard. I've got stuck last night, died like three times on this one boss. Yeah, that game's hard. I'm, I was annoyed. I was very annoyed. I was like, fuck this. I hate this. <laughs> I also get like that whenever I experience any friction and then I'm back at it the next day. Anyway, but, plugs, Jackson. Um, you can find me at headfallsoff at twitter.com. You can find the podcast that we do at abnormalmapping.com. They're good. Listen to them. Um, yeah, good podcasts. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normalmapping. Maybe if you haven't done that, consider doing it because I'm going to be out of a job after the end of June and I uh, will need support. Uh, but, you know, there's good stuff. Gundam's $1, $5 each two blockbusters every month. We watch a movie. We just watched what well, we just watched. Stand by me. Next month, we're watching oh, Hot God, Fuzz. We yes, uh, we are, man. Okay. That's a good podcast. Uh, $10 gets you VoIP Life where we goof off every two weeks about some bullshit. Um, we run down our favorite episodes of Normal Mapping on the, the most recent. All <laughs> oh, right, episodes, we so. did. That's Please what it was about. Out. That's our. That's, that's already so up. Long. So. That's true. I got to get that up like soon. Yeah, um, and that's everything. Thank you so much. Uh, please tell your friends about this podcast. Word of the mouth is the only way we get to spread it, really, and uh, we need it. So, thank you, everyone. Uh, go play some video games. Goodbye, video games. Goodbye, video games.